0: Sometimes the things that we can be grateful for make themselves known as little speckles, little speckles of gratitude. Today on this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Glorious, cool air. Huh. Oh, can't even begin to tell you. How much I appreciate air conditioning right now. Uh, Welcome back, my friends. Matthew here, a much cooler Matthew, I might add. I'll get to those details in just a little bit. But it is rip-roaringly hot here in Northeast Ohio, as it is around uh, most of the nation, I would say. Big red globs all over the weather map. And when it's not red globbing heat, sometimes the globs come in the form of little pop-up thunderstorms. So that's what we've been dealing with here in Northeast Ohio. It's just been very, very hot and not the most ideal time for your air conditioning unit to not be working properly. And really, as it turned out, it wasn't the air conditioning unit, it was the damn thermostat. So I'll get to that here in a little bit and why I'm even more grateful for air conditioning. Here's hoping that you are safe and healthy as we continue to plow through the debacle known as COVID-19 here in our state. Well, I want to say we're in mega mask zone because now masks are required as they are in some states Why they're not in all states, that's another topic for another discussion. But it's almost something that I'm kind of getting used to. Not that I like it. Not that I like it. But before, if you think about it, when you would pull into a parking lot at a convenience store, you would put the car in park. You would make sure you had your phone with you. Obviously, you would make sure you had your keys with you. And if you had a list of some sort or you need to make sure you had your wallet, you had kind of the essentials. And for me, I pat my left front pocket because that's where my phone is. I pat my right buttock in the back because that's where my wallet is. And I have my keys and I'm pretty much good to go. So I exit the vehicle and I lock it up. But now, lately, we've been adding one other feature to this technique, and that is do I have my mask? So in the center console, I have the mask, kind of the go-to mask, which has been the Cleveland Indians mask, which I won't be able to call the Cleveland Indians mask for too much longer. I have this black mask that I bought that I kind of like. It's kind of tight fitting, but a very nice guy at a Circle K store uh, sold it to me at a reduced rate because he felt sorry for me. And <laughs> So I like that one. And then we have a bunch of the surgical masks that really are the best masks because they're the lightest. They probably offer the less protection. Although to some people, these masks offer zero protection. But again, that's a topic for another discussion. So hopefully amidst this new technique that we have to perform, this new environment where we find ourselves that you are safe and healthy the other day during this time period where we haven't had air conditioning in our home I was sitting on the back deck we have a very large expansive deck it's really a deck that's probably too big for two people I know you're probably thinking how is that possible but we don't have a table and chairs out there. We don't really grill anymore. There's really sort of two chairs and some decorative plants and pot, pots of plants that my wife has uh, you know, finangled on one end of the deck. But for the most part, this deck, we sort of have it to ourselves. And, and the foliage that arrives in our backyard, we're on a corner lot, Um, really kind of creeps up on the deck. So really, even though we have that pathetic-looking building next to us, that apartment building that I've referenced in past podcasts, right now there's just a canopy of foliage surrounding us. So it's very nice to sit out back. We're shielded from the sun in the evening, whereas when we sit on the front porch, the sun from the west is just beating down on us. And it really, it offers a reprieve from all of the uh, heat and the humidity as much as you can when you're sitting outside but at any rate i was sitting outside shirtless i rarely go shirtless but it just felt right because we had been inundated with a heat wave and no air conditioning and i really started to think about all of the different places that we've been in this journey this broadcasting journey that i took my wife on who in another life before mine was on a variety of journeys herself, being that she was the wife of a veteran. So my wife Donna has seen the world. And then rather than hunkering down in one place, I took her all around these various geographical spots. And I began to kind of think momentarily about some of the, people and the things that affected those trips, the things that I take away from our times living in these various locations. And I know I've addressed this before on other podcasts where I talked about mentors and the really important people that affect you from the standpoint that they offer you a platform to follow. Or they sort of take you under their wing. Or they're entrusted with your care and concern. And those certainly are important people throughout any lifetime. And I've certainly had the advantage of being able to run into several of those people during these times of of travel and living in other geographical spots, as well as living in this geographical spot, which aside from family, is a mystery because we continue to return here. (laughs) It's like a bad penny. It just will not go away. I started to ponder a little bit some of the various places that we've been and people who have made an impact on me and people who continue to make an impact on me. And I think about our time when we first went to Knoxville, Tennessee and Although we had had our share of moving experiences, for whatever reason, that particular move was tough. Um, I had a tendency to accept jobs and then I would kind of go ahead of Donna while she kind of maintained order in our previous place, you know, tying up loose ends, getting things together, In many cases, I would be put up, you know, in a hotel or in some kind of living arrangement, and then I would find a place to live. And normally I would do these things by myself because Donna would be in the previous location handling things. And she was very good at it. And I was pretty pathetic at it. And so in this particular journey, we had been home in Ohio for almost seven years. We had moved to an area of Akron we left briefly to go to Washington DC for a job and it's a job that didn't really work out for a variety of reasons and something I'll address in in a later podcast and then we came back for, for a good chunk of time and so after being back in Northeast Ohio and then going to Tennessee it was kind of a rough transition from the standpoint that we were just apart and it took a good amount of time for Donna to join me there. So during my time at this radio station, I sort of came across a couple of people who were pretty instrumental in making this transition better. And one of those people was my friend Kyle someone who was relatively new to his position at this radio station, and someone with whom I had to work fairly closely with because I was servicing the needs of his clients. And so obviously I wanted to do right by him as I wanted to do right by all of the account executives on this staff. And I I remember fairly early in my tenure at the radio cluster in Knoxville, that I really felt a peculiar and a particular sense of homesickness. And this always happened to me wherever we were, wherever we've moved. I've experienced it everywhere. And there's just this period of time where even though you're excited about the job, when in your downtime in your alone time you you know at the time we didn't have texts but you would get phone calls from people from home asking how you were doing or you knew we get a letter in the mail or you would get a package like a care package in the mail and you know you were sent things that reminded you of home and sometimes during that those early months of transition For me in particular, it was tough. Now, not everybody goes through this. Some people are not like a fish out of water. They easily matriculate from one situation to the next. But in all of the times we moved, and we've done our share of moving around, for whatever reason, the transition from going from home down south was a tough one for me, personally. And Kyle was one of those guys who just seemed to make it more bearable and seemed to make it more easy for the transition to occur. And I remember we had a live broadcast set up with one of his clients. And I remember on that particular day, uh, I seemed to be going through a particularly tough time and i think i had a phone call with donna about some things and she was just kind of emotional and she was kind of missing me and i was missing her and i remember saying i have to go because i have to go i have to do this being this live broadcast and 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 i'll call you later and all this stuff and so we went to this live broadcast and afterwards next door was this like restaurant, like an Applebee's, one of the, like the local variety of one of these kind of sort of chain restaurants. And he said, you know, do you want to go grab a bite to eat? And I said, "Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, what was I going to do? You know, I mean, I didn't really know anybody hardly. And so we sat down and this was at the time where I was kind of getting into craft beer. And I didn't want to like make a scene like I was drinking on the job because technically we were sort of still on the job and I kept staring over at all these tap handles and I was thinking to myself, (laughs) wow, I really want a beer. And Kyle says, you know, you doing okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm doing okay. You know, I just feel like, um, you know this particular transition has been kind of tough and you know he kind of kept reminding me you know oh you're gonna like it here it's gonna be great you know people love your work and and uh i kind of kept looking over and he goes everything all right and i said no i was just staring at these tab handles there i could really have a beer and uh <laughs> he said to me well get you a beer. <laughs> And it was just the way he said it, like, very welcoming and just very matter-of-factly. And we put our, you know, account executive and creative service director hats away. And, like, from that point on, we were just friends. And it's almost like that's what I needed to like make this transition and to this day even when I was sitting on the deck the other day thinking about this I was really trying to recall why this particular transition was so tough because I loved the area I loved being around the college football environment in addition to Kyle I met a number of really good people a couple of people with whom I still stay in touch with And and I I had had all the earmarks really of a great transition. I had a lot of creative latitude with my job and it was just all set up to be a really fun time. But for whatever reason, those first couple of months were particularly just really tough for me. And, And as soon as he said that, it's almost like this enormous burden was lifted from my shoulder. Now, can a beer do that? Yes, I'm convinced. <laughs> and I will be forever convinced that a beer can do that. But it wasn't just the beer. It was the fact that that I almost felt like I had moved in to another area of less anxiety just by having him say that. And it's really funny because for years afterwards, I would share this story with Donna and sometimes we would go out somewhere and we would sit down and we have the menus out and Donna would go well get you a beer (laughs) and to this day Kyle is one of those guys who just has always stayed in touch with me much like Jim Cheneau when I worked with him here in Akron and even though he passed away three years ago i continue to remember that throughout all of my travels jim was always one who just he called he stayed in touch he did it in his own unique way and kyle is very much like that i don't know that i've ever met a person too who was more committed to college football than kyle and i would go home and i would explain to family at home, what football in the South means. And I would say, yes, of course. I mean, there are enormous Ohio State fans in this area and, you know, enormous Notre Dame fans, but there's just something about the religiosity of it there that I don't quite get. And Kyle personifies all of that. I mean, he can remember the most salient details about a game in 1982. I mean, I know people who are fans of professional football or professional baseball who can't remember those many salient details. But he can, and he just accentuated everything that's just so great about that part of the subculture in the South. I'm also really grateful about a couple of the trips that we took. And and one of those was a practice round at the Masters, and In my person cave, I don't call it a man cave because Donna's here as much as I am, and I don't use the room to escape from her, I have a framed picture uh, that we took as as Tiger Woods had teed off in this practice round. I was kind of walking straight ahead to to go to his ball to take his second shot, and I took this picture, and, and it just... It reminded me of everything that was great about that day. It wasn't too terribly hot. It was actually kind of a cloudy day. And we just had an enormously fun time just relaxing, following players around the course. And of course, I was just gawking at all this beauty, you know, that was in front of us. And I remember going back, we took the long, sort of the long way back and and. In the back of his car he had like you know a football and a baseball and at one point we were going through like this area like where north carolina kind of crosses back into tennessee and and we just kind of like stopped like in this like field and we just started like throwing the football around i mean just reminded me of being a kid and it was just such a great trip When I think about uh, Kyle, I not only just think about those things, but I think about his very practical advice. He has a really good head on his shoulders. He has a really good ability, much like my twin brother does, the ability to kind of scan the landscape and arrive at an opinion. And in many cases, I've agreed with those opinions. He not only just says... Yeah, I hear you, and boy, I hope that works out. But he oftentimes offers, you know, actionable advice. And I'm just very grateful that one, that we went to Knoxville, and two, that I was able to have a friend like him in Knoxville, and three, that we remained friends long after leaving Knoxville. And I guess this little momentary glimpse of gratitude these little speckles of gratitude there's always going to be one that is situated down there in east tennessee and even though kyle doesn't live in east tennessee anymore i'll always be very grateful for his friendship and his advice and the fact that he's a part of my life Mentioned earlier in this podcast that we had spent some time in Washington, D.C., and we actually went to Washington, D.C., the Washington, D.C. area to live twice. One, as I mentioned, was a very brief journey. It was one that I wasn't prepared for mentally, I wasn't prepared for financially, and it taught me a lot about moving. And we had moved a number of times after that. And one of the lessons that I learned was that you have to let That weird time period pass before you decide whether or not you like that place. These transition periods were very tough for me. And what I learned after that was that, like Knoxville, I couldn't run home. I I couldn't use those first couple of months as a basis for whether I liked where I was. I had to kind of let things sink in and get acclimated at least six months or more before you kind of made your decision about it and i tell my nephews you know when they think about going off to live somewhere or or you know they ponder taking a job and i say to them listen whenever wherever you go do not judge that place in six months give it six months you're going to feel homesick you may feel like crap you may feel like what did i do you're going to wake up in the morning sitting on the edge of your bed going oh my gosh what did i do with my life Do not go through that mental process without saying to yourself, I am not making any decisions until I'm here six months and then that will allow me time to reflect on where I'm at in my current state. And my situation the first time in Washington DC was very much like that. I was very homesick, I was very disoriented. I felt really out of sorts. I wondered why I did what I did. I just, all I wanted to do was go back home. And I've always regretted that. So the second time I went to Washington, D.C., I said to myself, one, I'm a little more acclimated to this moving thing. And two, I know that I have to give it time. And three, I've already kind of been in this area. I know what to expect. And one of the things I said to myself, and Donna agreed with me, is that if we ever go back to Washington, D.C., we're going to live in Annapolis, Maryland. And we used to visit there, and we would sit outside at one of the many places down on the city dock, and we would say, boy, wouldn't it be great to live here? And so when I announced to her that I would secured a new position in the D.C. area, I said, we are going to live in Annapolis, and that's what we did. And it was just such a, it was such a breathtaking experience to live there. I mean, Washington, D.C. is such a powerful place. It was an overwhelming place. But it, sometimes I would say to myself, I can't believe I'm here. It's just so, there's just so much going on. There's just so much to do. It is. It, it, you could feel the electricity and the pulse of that area. I mean, our nation's capital. But as much as I enjoyed it, I loved even more going back to Annapolis in my little corner Cove in my little apartment and sitting outside in my deck with a beverage and thinking this is my this is my time away from the rat race because there's nothing like living in Annapolis just the historic nature of it the quaintness of it the history of it I mean how many streets in America are called Duke of Gloucester Street I mean, how many signs on streets, corners in America say 1687? I mean, this is just crazy. Sitting at a restaurant in the city dock knowing that Ben Franklin had a beer here. I mean, that's just crazy. But I bring up, I bring up the D.C. area because while I was working in the D.C. area, We had a number of people who worked at the sports radio station who were producers, and they did updates, and they assisted talk hosts, and they all sat in cubicles in sort of a central area. And we called it the bullpen. And these guys were very animated, very much sports fanatics. Uh, You could say that some of these guys had PhDs in sports, and that's that's all they thought about, that's all they talked about. And one of the producers in the bullpen was a guy named Mark Weber. And they called him Webb. And I believe he was originally from Oregon. And he made his way to the D.C. area like many people had dreams of being a talk show host or maybe working at ESPN. And he was very knowledgeable about sports. And, And one of the things that I particularly remember about him is not only did he have a great voice and just a very friendly guy. But uh, he was also a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And so we would, of course, go at it because I would show up some days with my Bernie Kosar jersey and Webb would immediately launch into all of the Lombardi trophies that the Steelers won. But he did it in such a way that it was fun and it was funny. And he also knew a lot about Cleveland Browns history. And he would say, you know what? Had the Browns did such and such, they would have won such and such because so-and-so was a tremendous athlete. And people underestimate Frank Ryan. And he would just go on and on. He was very literate in sports, very smart, very clever, and could easily have been a, a very effective talk host. So when I announced... After being in D.C. almost two years, and I was going to Pittsburgh to work at KDKA, he jokingly said, well, of course I can tell you all you'll need to know to become a Steelers fan. (laughs) And after I was at KDKA, after about a month and a half, I was sitting in my office and the office they assigned me was this almost like a little closet. They were kind of building me a studio, and I had this makeshift studio at KDKA. And off to the side was almost a little closet where they stored all these tapes and old vinyl and and old reel-to-reels of shows from the 1950s. and, And they carved out this little space in a desk and put up this little computer and said, you know, if you need a place to write or whatever, use this until we get you set up in your new studio. So one day I was in my little alcove, as I called it, and I was attempting to write, and someone knocked on the door and they said, hey, you got a package? And I opened up the package and inside of the package was one of these little figurines that you would get at a fast food place. And, you know, like an action figure or something like that. And this particular figurine was actually, it looked like a little dog. And... It had like a bobblehead and it was dressed up in brown's colors. And the front of the figurine said Chomp. And so I'm like, well, who would send this? You know, this is this is this is kind of odd. Someone from home must have sent me this like little figurine to, you know, say, "Hey, you know, welcome to Pittsburgh." <laughs> and so inside was a little note and there was a note from Mark Weber. I didn't keep the note I wish I would have kept the note I have a a, a little wooden box here in my studio that I I keep some prized possessions and that's one of the notes I wish were in that little wooden box but I can recall what was in the note not verbatim but Webb said you know I know it's got to be tough for you right now making this transition especially making a transition to Pittsburgh so, we really miss you here at the bullpen. We wish you the best. Hope things are going well. And hope this little chomp guy reminds you to never lose faith in your team. And I figured you could use a buddy. And you know what? I, I almost like get emotional just talking about it right now. I mean, I. Literally, I, I closed the door and I cried over that. That he would take the time to put that in a box and send it to me. And so while I was sitting on the back deck and I was thinking of Mark Weber, and I was thinking of that gesture and I was just really appreciative of that gesture. And a couple of years ago, I saw on Facebook that Mark had developed cancer of the tongue and he had had successful chemotherapy and I congratulated him on Facebook and he thanked me. And I wrote him kind of a long paragraph and I reminded him of that incident. And he was very appreciative that, one, I remembered and two, that it made such an impact on me and it did. When I was in Pittsburgh, our cluster of stations were actually in two different locations. Our location was downtown, and our FM stations were just south through the Fort Pitt Tunnel. If you've never been to Pittsburgh, you need to go. It is by far one of the most gorgeous cities in America. And I would say that it's a fairly underrated city in America. And why it's underrated, I'll never know. It is a photographer's dream. That city, in many ways, has it all over Cleveland. And I say that very objectively. There is not a bad vista in Pittsburgh. When you're traveling north on Interstate 79, and that tunnel opens up, you'll realize why they say... It's the only city with an entrance. On the south side of that tunnel were our FM stations. And one of the guys who did similar work, which I did, was a guy named Dennis Lynch. And his air name, he went by Dennis Elliott. And Dennis is also one of those guys who has just always sort of stayed in touch We had some similar characteristics and Dennis, although a huge Steelers fan, was also one of those guys who could playfully and cleverly document the Cleveland-Pittsburgh rivalry and could easily talk about it without it breaking into an all-out fisticuffs. Dennis took his vacation every year, and during his vacation, he always took it at the time of the NFL Combine. And for years, he would drive to Indianapolis and volunteer at the Combine. He would drive players to and from the airport, and he would perform all these other tasks. I'm not exactly sure what attracted him to going to the Combine. But that was something he just did every year. And the other thing he does every year is he sends me something from the combine. He'll get a hold of all kinds of team gear from all of these teams and all these representatives from teams. And invariably, in the mail, I'll get a package. And in the package will be an assortment of Cleveland Browns stuff. And he'll always say... I know there's going to be big things for the Browns this year. Or he would say, I'm, I'm I'm looking out for those Browns. I know something's going to happen. It would be a bag. Or one year would be several T-shirts. And a couple of years, it was some really nice polo shirts and just a bunch of different things. And I've always been very grateful that we stayed in touch. And I was always very grateful for that little package that he would send. I often think to myself that I'm pretty good at staying in touch with people, and sometimes other people aren't. And then I'm reminded when I go through my list of texts that sometimes I'm not as good as I think I am, and we all can do better, and I can do better, much better. But out of the blue the other night, when I was sitting on the deck, I got a text from Dennis Lynch, and it was really just, hey, hope you guys are doing okay. Things here in Western PA are are." good. We're hunkered down, staying safe. And uh, just wanted to let you know, I was thinking about you guys and just wanted to say hello. And in these little slivers of gratitude, these little speckles of gratitude, those are the things that stand out the most. So as we wrap up another week of COVID-19 continuing to be in our lives, I'm reminded about how grateful I am for air conditioning and the fact that we haven't had it for five days. And really, it reminded me of growing up without air conditioning and the kinds of things we did to stay cool and hoping and praying that it would cool off and walking around with a magazine and using it as a fan or going to bed early and trying to sleep as your sheets were wet with perspiration and the joy of waking up in the morning with all the windows open and it being slightly cooler and you being appreciative that you're getting a momentary reprieve from the assault of the heat and basking in the early morning coolness, if there was coolness to be had, with birds chirping and no sweating and those were glorious mornings and as I went out to get the paper I was reminded of that when I stepped out and I was also reminded of how grateful I am for air conditioning (laughs) I wanted to make sure and I think I am fairly sure now that the gratitude journal podcast is on Google podcasts so I believe all of the major players are there. Speaking of major players, if you're on Instagram, I would urge you to check out the Instagram feed of our granddaughter, Mallie. It is M-A-L-L-I-E dot R-O-Y-E-R. She's a budding photographer, and lately she's been going on some excursions, one being a balloon ride and a helicopter ride. It was part of her bucket list, And so she's taken some tremendous photos. So make sure you check them out. It's Mally Royer, M-A-L-L-I-E dot R-O-Y-E-R on Instagram. Until then, we're a week away from baseball. We're a week away from baseball. Hopefully things will settle down. Wear those masks. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be shy about it anymore. You mask naysayers. Your arguments continue to hold less and less water as the numbers go up and up. I'm sorry we can we can ratchet jaw about it all the time, but I'm going to go with the mask and I urge you to do the same. Until then, thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Gratitude Journal podcast.